Help us to open our hearts to you to receive your love and your truth this morning. And uh, help us to respond and discern together what you're saying to us, how we can move forward in this life, in this world with you. Amen. Scripture reading today is from Genesis 11, starting in verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now maybe you're thinking, gosh, starting the year off with a bang. We're going to just hit the genealogies for the next three months. All throughout the Bible, it's our new theme series. Just kidding. Maybe you were thinking, well, how is he going to preach this? This is actually the perfect time to be reading a passage like this. Because we all just got through the holidays, where many of us spend time with our families, loved ones, friends, aunts, uncles, maybe, you know, grandparents, nieces, and nephews. Throughout the book of Genesis, we're we're actually starting a series today on the life of Joseph. Joseph was a part of a family. A family that, uh, where, where, where your relatives and the history of that were very important in that culture. If you read through the book of Genesis, there's a, there's a phrase that you heard in this passage that's repeated a number of times, and it marks different sections of the book. It says, these are the generations. It's interesting that this first book of the Bible is so much about family and specifically generations in families. So as we, as we jump into the story of Joseph next week, this week I want to give you a little background and I want you to imagine... Joseph in Egypt, with his two sons kind of gathered around a table as you are, and he's telling his sons the history of his family. He's telling the stories that, you know, maybe as you were around a Christmas dinner table, you were telling those old family stories about what happened to Papa and, you know, got hurt when he was doing this and... Oh, yeah, then there was your aunt, and she this, and when I was a kid, all those, all those stories. So I want you to imagine here Joseph 
with these two boys sitting around a table. And this is maybe their first big dive into the family history. Maybe they've reached an appropriate age where they can start to talk about uh, some of this R-rated stuff that's in the Bible. Guys, remember your great-great-grandfather. His name was Abraham. Pretty colorful life, your, your great-great-grandfather. He, he started on a journey with his father to this uh, land that lots of your relatives still live in up north of Egypt. And <clears throat> kind of wandering around. He's kind of an interesting guy. He, um, a couple times in his life that he, he did something rather foolish to your great-great-grandmother. See, he was, he was a foreigner in this land that he was in, and when he first arrived, he, he was afraid. He was afraid that uh, someone might see how beautiful, uh, by the way, your great-great-grandmother was known for her beauty, all over that land. <clears throat> so he was afraid that someone might kill him and steal her and all their stuff and make it theirs. So he kind of spun this little lie. He just said, okay, her name was Sarai at the time. He said, Sarai, here's something you can do for me. Just tell everybody that that you're my sister. And boys, not proud of this, in our family, but on two different occasions, uh, two different kings took her uh, and tried to make her one of her wives. Now, it didn't actually happen, and we'll get to that later, the backstory, but you just need to know that about your grandfather. It's funny because your grandfather is, he's kind of a contradiction, because there's this other thing that happened that I've never told you about. Um, Your great-great-uncle Lot, your great-great-grandfather Abraham, he had a nephew named Lot. And at one point, these these four or five kings came raiding through, and they captured him and and his family. And for whatever reason, in this scenario, your great-great-grandfather was pretty brave. He gathered up all his working men, and they rode off to battle and defeated all these kings and rescued Lot, his nephew. Now, it was war, but there's blood shed. Grandfather experienced that. Uh, there's this other thing that I never told you about that happened now that I mentioned Lot. It, it reminds me that he lived in a place when Abraham, Abraham he was named Abram at first. I've told you that before. Um, they came to this new land and they had so much wealth and possessions that they decided they had to split ways. There just was not enough land. And so Lot, he went near this, this city, which ended up being a pretty wicked place. I mean, just a terrible place. I'm not going to get into all the details yet. You're not quite old enough to hear all the stories here. But I want you to know that uh, there was some pretty bad stuff that went down in that city. And God decided that he would destroy it. 
And, but the Lord, uh, he enabled Lot to escape that. Lot made it out of that city, but uh, his wife died on the way out. And then um, he was alone in, his, in this cave with his two daughters. And they had a really bad idea that they would never marry. And so they ended up, we talked about the birds and the bees a little bit. It's a little awkward for dad. They ended up having children with their dad. That's a part of our family history. So your great-great-grandfather Abraham, uh, he really wanted to have a child. And you know about your great-grandfather Isaac, but there was another child before that. And what happened was, Abram really wanted a child, and so your great-great-grandmother, Sarai, said, hey, take my slave and be with her, sleep with her, and so that you'll have a baby through her. And that happened in our family. And that, his, he, that child's name was Ishmael. He grew up, and now he's got his own kind of nation and, and thing going on. I just wanted you to know that about our family. Now, later on, you know this, but your great-great-grandmother, Sarah, had a baby eventually when she was like 100 years old, and his name was Isaac. But there was a problem there because it created more conflict. There was already conflict there. There was trouble in the tents. And um, so your great-great-grandfather Abraham had to send Hagar, that was the name of the slave, away with Ishmael, and they parted from the family at that point, never to be reunited. That's why you haven't really heard about them before. Um, we, do, we do own some property. Uh, so we have land in our family name. We haven't always just been wandering around because what happened was your great-great-grandmother Sarah died at some point. And so we had to, Abraham, your great-great-grandfather Abraham had to find a place to bury her. And so he was in Canaan, the land of our ancestors, and uh, he, 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 had to, he had to buy a quick purchase. And so this other guy that sold to him kind of gave him this ripped-off rate. He got a really terrible deal on the real estate. But we, own, we do own some land. It's in our family name. And I hope one day our family will retake that property. That's where your grandmother's buried. And Abraham ended up dying, and he's buried there too now. Now, there's another thing I didn't tell you, and that is that you've got some other relatives you've never known about. Because after Sarah died, and before Abraham did, he took another wife named Keturah, and she had six sons. Once they kind of came of age, he sent them away from the family as well, never to be reunited, and they settled in a different area. So we have some extended family also. That was Abram's second wife. Now I want to tell you about your, your great-grandfather, Isaac. So he had an interesting family dynamic as well. So he married this woman, Rebecca. That's a long story about how that all came about. Kind of crazy. But um, they ended up having twin boys, which is your grandfather, Jacob, and his brother, Esau. They were twins. And as soon as they were born, there was conflict in the house. These guys were like oil and water. They didn't get along, and they were, you know, they were just at odds. 
totally different personalities, interests, everything. So lots of sibling rivalry there. The unfortunate thing is that uh, your great-grandmother and great-grandfather, they played favorites, and they didn't hide it. They let everybody know. I'll get back to that later about myself. So what happened in the family was your great-grandmother, Rebecca, and your great-grandfather, Isaac. Isaac loved Esau, and Rebecca loved Jacob. And that just created all this mess in the family. Eventually, uh, your great, your grandfather, Jacob, uh, he, he kind of played a, somewhat of a trick, or he, he, he bought the birthright of the family for a bowl of soup from Esau, which tells you a little bit about Esau because, you know, he, he despised that honor of our family. There was some disconnect with him in the family, even though he was the favored son. And then later on, uh, he kind of realized the stupidity of that, I think, and he was really looking forward to receiving the blessing from Isaac. But Jacob and Rebekah played, played a trick and deceived uh, Isaac into thinking that Jacob was Esau, and he blessed Jacob. And so your great-grandfather Jacob, so your grandfather Jacob took the blessing and the birthright, and then he had to run away because your, your great-great-uncle was going to kill him. And so he ran away from the area and went and lived with Laban, another relative of yours. Now, I haven't told you this story either because it's a little, it's a little out there. But Jacob, your grandfather, worked for Laban for seven years to marry his daughter Rachel. And on the night of his wedding, they all got him drunk. Sorry, I'm using a little liberty here with the story just to understand. Potentially, how could this have happened, right? They got him drunk, and <clears throat> they gave him Rachel's sister on the wedding night. They wake up the next morning, and there's Leah. Who does that? And so then Jacob was obviously upset because he had wanted to marry Rachel, so they said, okay, great, finish the marriage week, then we'll give you Rachel, and you can work another seven years for her. This is how great-uncle Laban used to operate. Eventually, over the, seven, the second seven years were finished, and Jacob was tired of working for Laban. He wanted to strike out on his own, and so kind of in the middle of the night, they just broke camp and fled. Laban caught up to him. He was pretty mad. In the back of his head, he's thinking, I might just kill this guy. That didn't happen. They kind of parted ways, never to, never to meet again. And Jacob kind of headed back towards uh, the, the land that our family inhabited. And so you just felt like you needed to know some of this stuff about your family. <clears throat> now, there's one more story that's rather embarrassing for our family. Jacob had two wild sons, Levi and Simeon. And as they were wandering through this one area, a man uh, that, was, that was the son of one of the leaders of these towns he saw Dinah, your, your great aunt, and he, he slept with her. And he actually wanted to marry her. He loved her. But Simeon and Levi were furious, and they plotted their revenge. And so they said, hey, you can take her as a wife as long as you and everyone else in the town get circumcised. 
And they said, great, we'll do it. Because this guy was, you know, they, they said, great, we'll just, we'll kind of absorb this family into our town and we'll be one, we'll have their wealth and we'll share. And so they did it. The next day after it was done, Simeon and Levi took swords and they went into that town and they killed every man in that town. They murdered them. And then they took all their possessions and all their women and children as slaves and added them to their own property. Um, my mother, your grandmother, Rachel, you've never met because she died in childbirth uh, after your uncle Benjamin, who you've also never met, was born. And so you'll never meet your grandmother. She died. And one other thing about my story that I haven't told you is that your grandfather Jacob also played favorites. His parents played favorites, and so did he. And actually, I was his favorite. And that's kind of what got me here. We'll talk more about that when I give you more of the story. And that's the end of the session today with Jacob, sorry, with Joseph and his sons. Now, I want you to hear all that because I, I didn't want to take the time to read Genesis 12 through 36 to you this morning. I thought that might get a little long. But also because you have to understand that God works in and through dysfunctional families. I mean, talk about a tough history here. You're talking about not murder, but almost genocide. You know, there's, there's favoritism being played. There's... there's Obviously, slavery is this huge thing back then. Uh, you've got, when the story of Joseph, which we'll hear, you know, brothers just fighting against brothers. There's, there's people wanting to kill each other within the own family. There's deception. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. I don't know if you've felt any discouragement in this holiday season about your own family. But the Lord wants to tell you today that there's hope. No matter what your background is with your family, no matter what the story, God worked through this family. The incredible thing is that we actually start to see some of the dysfunction become health by the end of Joseph's story. We see, even in Joseph's story, we see kind of a bratty little kid who's leaning into the favoritism of his father, become a man who, who can endure incredible suffering and also release and forgive incredible pain, abuse, and trauma in modern language. I mean, I am talking about that is an incredible transformation from this family background to the life of Joseph at the end, a man of character who forgives even in the face of incredible hardship and abuse. It's amazing. And obviously, through, this is the family through whom the Messiah is born. This is Jesus' family history. Like, Jesus has some bad family stuff 
in his family line. Track with me. And yet, it's through this family that the world is rescued. Now, I tried not to do this. I got, I got caught up a couple times. But I tried, if you, didn't, if you notice, I tried to actually leave God out of the story intentionally. Because all through this story, we see God interacting in incredible ways in the lives of the people in this family. Appearing to them, talking with them, giving them dreams or visions. Uh, it's, it's, we don't know how much of the story Joseph knew. I kind of imagine he knew more probably than what was in the text because the family would probably guard the story and retell the story all the time, but we don't know. <clears throat> but what's interesting is how involved God is in the story. Now for, for us, we often want to look at our lives and, and it's easy for us to kind of see all the miraculous things that happen in these stories and say, well, that's not happening in my life. And we make this silly conclusion that therefore God was more involved with them than he is with me. And nothing could be further from the truth. One of the themes you're going to hear in this series as you read through these passages is this simple phrase, and the Lord was with Joseph. Now what's interesting is that Joseph actually not unlike Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, there's never a recorded face-to-face encounter with God. The only encounter we hear of is these crazy dreams that are quickly dismissed by his family when he's a boy. And yet, Joseph is the one who leads the family to a place of health and out of dysfunction and becomes the one who brings salvation to the world, the, Egyptian, the greater Egyptian world. Now that is a challenge to us. Our ability to move our family and ourselves from dysfunction to health is not dependent upon some miraculous encounter with Jesus. Because, guys, that miraculous encounter has already happened on the cross. 2,000 years ago. And the word of God says that Jesus is with us. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we know in this new year that we can move out of dysfunction and towards and into health, which is really where the salvation of the world is found, is in the life of the people of God, knowing him and loving one another well. Forgiving and loving one another. And we can do that because we know that Jesus is with us, right? The thing that counts is faith that expresses itself in love. It's trusting that God is with us. He's forgiven our sins. And he cares about us, and he's walking alongside us, and he's involved in our story. Even when we don't perceive it, he's involved in our story. Even when we don't sense his presence, he is there. Even when we can't, feel like we can't discern the way forward, he is guiding us and he's got it covered. It's faith in God and trusting him that it will express itself in loving relationships, in joy-filled connection that this world is desperate for and greatly needs. So we're going to explore more of this as we talk about Joseph. 
now at your tables today, I want you to answer the, the typical questions that we, that we put up. And the first one, I want you to tell an appreciation story about your family. I want you to seed some hope today, and regardless of how crazy your family is, or how good, but just what is something that you have appreciated about someone in your family? All right? Name a name and say, man, I really appreciate this about someone in my family. And then move from that today and talk about, hey, what do you sense that the Lord is saying to you? What is the hope that he is breathing in you today for your family? Whether it's your parents, siblings, or it's a family that is not yet realized, but to come, that maybe God is breathing hope into that as well. All right? So let's talk for a few minutes, and then I'll, I'll come up and shift you to prayer, and then we'll sing one song and close.